Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. But I want to get into the Word this morning, and uh, this is a message that's going to help us keep reaching people. I really, this is a message that we all need to hear. And I, going back to what I said a moment ago, thinking about... I want you to think of somebody, as a matter of fact. I want, and maybe you already did. When I said, think of somebody you admire, someone will pop into your mind, okay? It could be an athlete. It could be a singer. It could be a musician. It could be whatever it is, whoever it is. Somebody that's famous that you admire, that you have always thought, man, I wish I could meet that person, or wow, what would it be like to meet that person? Everybody got someone in your mind? Okay? When that, com- that person comes to your mind, I want you to think this morning what it would be like if that person called you, you looked down at your cell phone, and you looked at the name of the person I just said, and they were calling you on your cell phone. And after you got over the shock that that person's name was there, and you realized it wasn't a joke, and you answered and said, hello, that famous person that you're thinking of, that that means a lot to you, that you admire, that you look up to, that you wish you could meet, is calling you and telling you, hey, I want you to know that I've been thinking about you. And I just want to see how your week's going. And I just want to tell you that you're awesome. Can you imagine what that would be like to have that famous person call you personally? And then you'd get off the phone, and what would you do? You would run to everybody you know, and you would say, look, so-and-so called me. And they wouldn't believe you. And then you'd wish that you'd ask that person to say, can you call back and leave a voicemail? So my friends and family will believe me that you called. How many are following me? Am I talking to anybody real? Y'all be, oh, I ain't got nobody. That, yeah, right. Everybody has somebody that they look up to growing up or whatever. But going back to the time of prayer, I want you to think about this. If that person walked into church this morning, what would your attitude be like? What would the all be like? If anybody famous walked into this church this morning, we would stop and we would look and we would whisper and we would say, hey, do you know who that is? And maybe the person you're talking to doesn't know who it is, but you know who it is. And they'd be like, no, I don't know who it is. But you'd be like, they're famous. They're really good at basketball. They're a really good singer or they're a movie or they're an actor or whatever. And we would talk about that person. And we would be excited about that because it's a person who's famous, who's done a lot of amazing things, and the world looks up to. Because that's our human nature is to worship. Our human nature is to worship. God made us to worship. And what do we do sometimes without realizing it is we worship people. We admire people and we don't say, hey, I worship this person, but we actually do admire them in a way sometimes that can be worshiped. And that admiration that we have towards that person, I'm not saying you can't respect somebody or or think or, or admire is a good word to say, man, they're really talented, but that that spirit of worship that God put us put in us was put in for him and sometimes that worship instead of being for God or that all instead of being for God can be for people and I want us to think this morning that there's a God in heaven who created the entire universe who knows your name and loves you this morning and I want to know this morning do you know if you're taking notes do you know who you are because I don't think a lot of us do Do you know who you are? By the time this message is over, you're going to know. And my prayer is that you'll have an intimate understanding of who God is. But I want to brag on God a little bit, and I want to start off in Psalms 19. 
verse 1, and look at some psalms and some verses about what the Bible says about God. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. I just want to throw this out there. How many have ever met somebody that said they were an atheist? Anybody ever met somebody? You might be in this place, and at some point you were an atheist. You're that person who the Bible calls a fool. Amen? Does anybody like to call anybody names sometimes? We have a biblical right to call someone a fool if they say they don't believe in God. Because the Bible says only a fool says in his heart there's no God. How can you look at a sunset? How can you look at a sunrise? How can you look at those clouds out in the sky? How can you look at the stars at night? And on and on and on and say there's no God. Amen? I just have a question. Has anybody ever seen anything pretty come out of an explosion? Anybody? And that's what, that's what people believe. We came from an explosion. Okay? I've never seen anything pretty. I believe there was a God in heaven who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. And he said, let there be light. And boom, there was a big boom. And light came into the world. But it came from the mouth of God saying, let there be light. And it says, the heavens, amen. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And watch this. The firmament shows his handiwork. Now, we know that God doesn't have physical hands like we, are, like we do, but we can understand what, that, what, what a hand does. And he created this world and this earth with his hands. And the Bible says that the heavens declare his glory and that they are the, the, the firmament shows his handiwork. Here's another one, Psalms chapter 8, verse 3. When I consider your heavens... And by the way, I like to say this when I'm talking about heaven. Remember that we're talking about heavens that, that, that even with all the technology that exists, they can't figure out how many heavens there are, how many universes there are, how many galaxies there are. God made it so big, they'll never be able to figure it out. Amen? But it's big, right? And so that's why it says heavens. And it says, watch this, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers... This makes it even more personal and intimate. I want you to have that picture of God's finger over your life. Here's why I'm saying this this morning. Let me just make sure you know where I'm going with this. How many believe this morning that God has called every single one of us to make a difference in this world? Does anybody believe that? If you don't, I hope by the time the message is over, you will. How many believe that God has called you to tell other people about what Jesus has done for your life? Amen? That's for everybody. Nobody's exempt of that. Nobody is beyond that. God has a call for every single one of us. But I believe that the reason a lot of people don't affect lives and don't do things for God is because we have a spirit of inadequacy or we have a spirit of condemnation. Or people have told us you're never going to amount to anything or you don't have talent or ability or you're not good enough. There's a good one. You're not good enough. You've made too many mistakes. You failed too many times. Am I talking to anybody real here this morning? Because we listen to those things of people and of the enemy, then we're never going to do what God's called us to do. And I just want to challenge you this morning to stop listening to the people and the devil and the demons of darkness and start listening to a God who loves you and has a different word to speak over your life this morning than what the world says. Why are you listening so much to the devil who hates your guts? Isn't it interesting that we give so much time to someone who hates you so much? In the real world, we would never do that. In the real world, you would never sit there and listen to an enemy or a foe talk to you and give you smack. You would smack. 
Amen? You wouldn't listen to that. Yet we listen to the devil all day long. And the Bible says he's the father of all lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. And so many of us are not being the witness that God wants us to be. We're not affecting people's lives the way God wants us to affect because we're not listening to what God says we are. Who God says we are this morning. Amen? So it says, I consider your heavens the work of your fingers. Now that's just, that, what this means to show us this morning is how big God is. Okay? This is important. Because if, if we see... If we see in NASA and science that there's so many galaxies and universes and, and all these things, stars we can't even number, that's so big that our minds can't even go there. The Bible says, and this is on purpose, I made those with my finger. Okay? That's to show how big God is. This is important. And then it says, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of? Of him. In other words, how is it possible that a God that big could be thinking about somebody this small? Amen? And so, because that seems so impossible, we just believe the lie. We believe what the world tells us. We believe what our feelings tell us. And we don't ever really do anything for God. Instead of looking at the word and listening to the word and getting a revelation of who God is, and says, Who, who am I that the Son of Man would visit him? How, how would it be possible that somebody famous would show up at this church? How would it be possible that somebody famous would call me? And we would all be excited if that person showed up. But I'm trying to tell you this morning, there's somebody who's greater than anybody on this earth. The king of the universe has your phone number, and he's calling today, and he wants to tell you who you are this morning if you'll listen. How many will answer the God's phone this morning as he's calling you right now? He's calling you right now, and he wants to tell you what you are to him and who you are and what you mean, but you got to open up your ears and answer the phone. Now listen, I want everybody to put your phone down, your notes down, whatever, for just a second, and I want you to look at your thumb. Just look at your thumb. What's on that thumb? Fingerprint. Here's the title. Do you know who you are? There's the, th the fingerprint. I preached a message a bunch of years ago called God's Fingerprint. That message was more about, and I'm gonna, I'll preach it again sometime, it's a really good one, about science and the amazing Fibonacci code and the numbers of the universe and how everything is perfectly ordained by God and perfectly uh, amazing and, and, and science. The more people study science, the more they find out God's real, by the way. Okay, the more technology they get, the more they realize that, that, that God is real, that God is a creator. And he's an intelligent designer. Amen? And so as you look at this and you look at your th fingerprint, I want you to realize this is what I want to get at this morning. I want you to leave here this morning understanding in the best way I can possibly explain to you that you are special. Okay? That you are important. That you are unique. That you are wonderfully made by God. And that there's nobody else on planet earth like you. Have you ever stopped to, th I know we know it, but we don't think about it. Have you ever stopped to think that your fingerprint is the only one on planet Earth? Do you know that? Does everybody know that? Are you, just look at it again. It's the only one. Now, I don't know if this is true. I couldn't find 
backing enough to say with 100% clarity this is true, but it's true, but it's very possible, and it's very neat. There's a person who one time in the last few years, not too long ago, got the fingerprint, put it on the paper, and began to study the fingerprint and began to read the lines and number the lines. And this person says in their story, because what they did was they, they, they did the fingerprint, counted the lines, and they said that there's 66 lines in the fingerprint. Does that mean anything to anybody? How many books are in the Bible? 66. He says, he, she, she says, whoever it is, says, and that, if it's true or not, to me it doesn't really matter. It's cool regardless. Could be 40, could be 50, could be 70 lines. But he counted them, said it was 66, and then he went and got a verse for every verse, of one verse out of every book. And he wrote them on the, on the lines of the fingerprint. And it's a picture you can buy to put on your wall. It's online. But that, the reason I like to talk about that is because when we look at something like this, we don't stop to think how real and intimate this is, that you're the only person on this earth that has this. Now think about this. I want to put this in perspective. I like to brag on God. I like, I like people to know that I don't just believe in some blind faith in God, that God is a big God and an amazing God, and he backs him, himself up. This fingerprint that you have and that I have is unique. There's eight billion people on this earth, and I know that goes up all the time. It may be eight and a half by, name, by now. It's always going up. It's always getting bigger. Eight billion people on this earth. And how is it possible that not one other person on this earth has your fingerprint? Not one. How'd that come from an explosion? How'd that come from a big bang? That came from intelligent design. From a God who is a creator. And he's a personal God. And I want you to think about this. Not only is there 8 billion people on this earth, here's the odds, they say, that you could ever have your fingerprint match somebody else's fingerprint is 1 in 64 billion. If there's 8, people, 8 billion people on the earth, 8 times 8 is, is 64. That means that there's like 8 lifetimes between you and your fingerprint matching somebody else. Not just a generation, but like way spaced out. That's how special and how unique you are. Tell the person next to you, not jokingly, you're important in the kingdom of God. Do you believe that? Church, we're lifting each other up this morning. If we're going to do what God wants us to do, and we know we have a call this morning, we need to know who we are. Amen? A UPS driver delivers packages. That's his job. A pilot pilots a plane. A police officer does what a police officer does in the streets to help keep order. A teacher teaches. Those people know who they are and they know what their job is. Wouldn't it be weird to see a UPS driver doing anything else but except delivering packages? Wouldn't it be weird to see a UPS driver out in the middle of the road directing traffic? Amen? Wouldn't it be weird to see a teacher trying to be a police officer? What I'm trying to say is every person who has their job, you have a job, you know what your job is. But in the spiritual world, a lot of times, we're not doing what our job is. We have a call to affect other people's lives, and the reason we don't do it effectively is because we don't know who we are. I want to talk about the fingerprint a little bit more this morning. How many know this morning, and maybe you don't, that the fingerprint is formed in the womb between four and seven months after conception? That means when a baby is born... And this is another reason why we talk so heavily against abortion. 
This is another reason why scripturally we don't believe in it. We don't agree with it. It's, it's not of God. And, and I'm just hitting that this morning while I'm talking about this because God made that fingerprint on that precious little baby after three or four months of conception. And that fingerprint stays with that baby the rest of their lives. They grow into it, but it never changes. It only grows. And that same fingerprint, I want to, I want to give you something that's very interesting. A fingerprint has... 175 to 180 what they call points of information. On this little tiny fingerprint, there's 175 to 180 points of information. Officer Marshall, my daughter, anybody else that's worked in law enforcement would understand what this means. That means that that fingerprint is very important to catching somebody. It's points of information. And when they look at this, listen closely, there's 175 to 180. They only need 12 points, which is less than 10% of what you have on your finger, to convict a felon. That's how intimate your finger is. That's how intimate your fingerprint is and how designed your fingerprint is. Now think about this. In other words, there, there's nothing about you today that is like somebody else. You're unique. You're different. You're special. Here's a quote I'm going to give everyone this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. If you have a good memory, you can remember it. If you don't remember anything else out of this message, I hope you get this. Just right here. This is the meat of the message. Here's the quote. God gave you a fingerprint that no one else has. How many agree with that so far, that first part of the statement? God gave you a fingerprint no one else has. Now, you could stand up like some people. Here's the problem. We live in a world where people argue with everything. Can you imagine somebody standing up and arguing that they're, they're, somebody else has got my finger, but that can't be possible. It's a fact. Okay? The Bible is facts. Amen? So God gave you a fingerprint no one else has. Now here it is. So you can leave an imprint on this world nobody else can. Did anybody grab that? You have a, a unique fingerprint and God wants you to put something on this world that nobody else can. Too many times we're trying to say, well, I wish I could do what they do. Or I wish I could have what they have. Or I wish, that's not what God called you to do. It doesn't mean you can't imitate somebody, respect somebody. In discipleship, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm not talking about that. You have a special design. God has a special plan for you. You need to start worrying about what God tells you to do and do what God tells you to do so that when you stand before God one day, you can hear the words, enter in good and faithful servant. Whatever God's telling you to do, you need to do it. Deuteronomy 9.10 shows us that God has his hands on everything. He's involved. The Lord delivered to me two tablets, this is Moses speaking, of stone written with the finger of God. Church, do you realize that when Moses was up on that mountain and they were down, on, that's a whole other message, they were down on the ground making an idol out of a golden calf while he was up there getting the word from God. God literally from heaven reached down with his finger and wrote the Ten Commandments on those tablets. That was not Moses. Do you believe the Bible? It says they were written with the finger of God. Why I'm showing you that is to show you how intimate God is. I just showed you with some other verses how big God is, but now I want you to see how intimate he is. And it says, and on them were all the words which the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. I want you to understand that the men, the men that wrote this book, the Bible, when they were writing it, they weren't writing under their own power. God's hand was on their hand. 
and they were writing under the inspiration, the Bible says, of the Holy Spirit. There's 66 books, almost 800,000 words, and not one of the words in the Bible is an error. Not one of the words in the Bible is a mistake. Every single word was written with the fingerprint of God. And God also says, not only have I written the word, he says, I, I want you to write my word on your heart. And so we begin to learn this plan that God has for our life, and we begin to see that he is thinking about us this morning. He has a special plan for every one of us to do, and we've got to start knowing who we are in God. Now, when I say he's an intimate God, let me explain what that means. I think this morning about that fingerprint and I think about this next verse that I don't have written up but I want you to take, take that down and listen to this close your eyes for one second everybody just close your eyes and I'm going to quote you a scripture Jeremiah chapter 1 some of you will know it verse 5 before I formed you in your mother's womb I knew you you see that darkness that you're looking at the darkness of the back of your eyelids, that's you before you were ever even formed. God knew you before you were ever even a thought in your mother or father's eyes. Amen? Now, as you open up your eyes, that should get you to understand what I just said about abortion. Before, I know it's hard for our minds to go there, before we were even conceived, before your mom and dad ever even met, God already knew you. And not only did he know you, that verse goes on to say, and I have set you apart as a prophet to the nations. That means that God's plan is big for everybody. But not everybody steps into God's plan for their life. Some people just sit back and say, well, I just, that's not my job. I'm not supposed to do anything big. God has big plans for all of us. When we don't see big things happen, it's because we're not listening to who God's telling us that we are. God thinks about us. Remember when I said earlier that person would call, that famous person calls and says, hey, I just want you to know this last week. I've been thinking about you. I hope your family's doing well. I hope you, they're thinking about you. God right now during this week has been thinking about you. Jeremiah 29, look at this, verse 11. I know the thoughts, not thought. You're not just a thought. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, and he says, thoughts that I think, not thoughts that I thought. Isn't that what the devil wants us to believe? You've already messed up too much. No, God is still thinking about you right now. God is thinking about you no matter how many mistakes you've made. God is thinking about you no matter how many times you've messed up. God still has a future and an expected end for you, church, and he wants it to be good. And look what he's thinking about. He's not thinking about bad things. When you look at this world, God forgive you if you blame God for something. Did you hear me? God's not, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. Bad things happen because people are bad. God, does, God, has, God never intended Hitler to be Hitler. God never intended Osama bin Laden to be Osama bin Laden. God had a thought and a future and a hope and peaceful thoughts and good thoughts about every person who's ever been born. He never, he never, don't think for a second that that drug addict, that alcoholic, that person that you used to be is who God plans you to be. Never. 
that incarcerated person, that, that lost person, that depressed person, that murderer. God never intends you to be that. His thoughts about you were peaceful and good, and he had a plan and a future and a hope for you, church. And now that we're saved and coming to church, what we're trying to do is get back to the place where God intended us to be back on the path to God where he intended us from the very beginning. And how many know some of us get there faster than others because some of us find out who we are faster than others. Some of us start believing the God's word over the enemy's word faster than others. You can start doing some amazing things for God this morning if you stop listening to the devil and start listening to what God's telling you right now this morning that he loves you, he has a plan for you, he has a purpose for you, and he has an expected end for you and that expected end is for you to be in heaven with him for eternity do you believe that that's the truth look at Luke chapter 12 when you read these parables church don't just blow by them don't just read them fast stop and listen to what God's trying to say are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins over in Costa Rica this morning aren't five sparrows sold for two colonies down in Mexico, isn't five sparrows sold for two pesos? Over in, in, in uh, Russia, isn't five sparrows sold for whatever their two coins are? Anywhere in the world, he's trying to say, birds are being sold for a certain amount of money, but not one of them is forgotten by God. God knows what's going on everywhere. Amen? Everywhere. And watch what it goes on to say. And the very hairs of your head are numbered. That's an intimate God. The same God, church, who made this world and this universe is the same God who knows how many hairs are on your head. Now, I joke about it thinking that it has to be, to be, to be anything you know, impressive. It would have to have been when I was a teenager, personally, okay? For it to be, you know, because it's not that hard right now. Some Nico, it's not that hard, amen? I mean, I can, I can number the hairs on your head. So what he really is saying there, if we break it down, the Greek is the hair follicles that come out of your head, amen? But the very hair of your head are numbered, and this is it. Don't fear. This is for somebody right now. We're afraid, we're worried. What's going to happen? And, and fear gets us. And God says, I need you to stop worrying about that. I, have, I know where all the sparrows are. I know where all the fish are. I know where all the dogs are. I know where all the animals are. And they're not as important as you. I know exactly where you are. I know exactly what you're going through. And I can get you out of it if you want me to. I'm an intimate God. I'm a powerful God. I'm a supernatural God. Is there anybody in here that's living a little bit better life today than you were five years ago? Anybody living a little bit better life in here this morning than you were a year ago? Has anybody seen a change in your lives of where you were a few years ago, a few months ago, maybe a few days ago? The problem is, is we have a, a religious world. A people who are, maybe they, we ran into a guy yesterday as we were witnessing and knocking on the doors that opened up right at the end before we went back to the hotel. And he was a Roman Catholic. His name was, somebody help me, jo Joel. Joel, straight from the Bible. 
And we started talking to him. And let me just give you, how many would like to learn how to witness real quick? Can I give you a 30-second teaching on witnessing? How do you start a conversation? I was telling the guys this yesterday, and I was talking in the break about this this morning. When you talk to somebody, and, and this is something we're teaching as a church to do, it could be door-to-door. It could be your neighbor. It could be your coworker. It could be at the store. It could be at the gas station. We should always be witnessing. We should always be telling people about what, what Jesus has done for us. Always. We should always be sharing what God has done, especially if he's done something so amazing for you. When you talk to that person, you must realize, as we stood at the door with, with Joel yesterday, we told him, we may never talk to you again in our lives. We may never see you again in our lives. You, your life's not promised, and neither is mine. Tomorrow's not promised. So when you talk to somebody, you've got to realize that that might be the only time you ever talk to them in your lives. So when you talk to them, you don't need to tell them, again, like I said a couple weeks, the 16 fundamental truths of the Bible. You know what you need to tell them? You need to get them thinking about something that most people don't think about enough, and it's called eternity. Ask that person, do you know where you'd go right now if you died? What do you think would happen to you if you died right now? How many know that's a good lead-in question? To anybody at the, at the gas pump, you, you make eye contact. Hey, how you doing today? Do you know where you'd go if you died right now? It's a conversation starter. For reals. And you know what they're going to say? Lots of things. They're going to say no. They're going to say, well, I hope. Heaven. Well, and I'm a pretty good person, so I'm, they're going to give you an answer. But what you've done is in your witness, you've all of a sudden made them think when you walk away from them about their eternity. They're going to think about it. Because they haven't been thinking about it. Would anybody agree with me that people don't think enough, probably including ourselves, about eternity? Then you can take what I'm giving you today. You can say, you know, that fingerprint that you have in your finger makes you very unique and very special. You're the only one on earth that has that fingerprint. So when you walk away with them from them, whether you've led them to the Lord or simply done that, you do two things. You've let, walked away from that person you may never meet again in your life, and you have left them with the thought that they're special and very unique, and that they need to think about their eternity. That's how you witness. You get to the, you, I, I, I can't think of how to say this in, 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 in English, but you go, I can't even how to, how to speak Spanish actually right now at this moment. Um, I, I wish I could ask David as he's pointing back at me over there. Um, you, you get to the, I don't even, the meat of it, I guess you get to the point. There you go. Get to the point. Right? Get to the point on what you're trying to say with these people. How many want to be more effective witnesses? You tell those two things to two to people, you're going to leave them with a thought. Amen? So, last verse. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is powerful. We are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Again, this goes back to when you were created. I want you to think about this. You may not be today what you think God intended you to be. But I always tell people this, and I want you to listen to this. You may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Would anybody agree with me on that today? 
especially a lot of you that have come from really difficult lifestyles, really difficult pasts. You're fighting demons all the time. You're fighting lies of the devil all the time. You're facing your past all the time. It's coming around in the fr in front of you and reminding you of all your mistakes. You're facing those things. I want you to remember, you're not where you want to be yet, but you're definitely not where you used to be either. You're a different person. Stop focusing on where you've lacked to get to and start focusing on where you've come from, what God has brought you out of, what God has done in your life so far. Amen? We've got people in here who've been saved just a few weeks and just a few months. Just think about today, the fact that you're even in church instead of hungover or hanging out somewhere right now or sleeping in is already a picture that you have changed your life. And so what God has started, let him finish. Amen. Because his plan is good works, and it says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And when we say good works, we're not talking about good works so you can be saved. That's religion. We're talking about good works because you're thankful that you're saved. As the musicians begin to come, I want to read this verse in the New Living Translation because I, I doubt that anybody has ever called you a masterpiece. Has anybody ever walked up and said, man, you're a masterpiece? They might have called you a piece, <laughs> but I guarantee you they didn't call you a masterpiece. Amen. How many have ever been called a piece, huh? Right? I mean, think about that. When was You're a masterpiece. God says you are a masterpiece. Amen. How many believe that this morning? His workmanship. And it says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Watch this. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We need to get on the path this morning where God's wanting to us to go. That path to make a difference in people's lives. That path to start standing and walking church with our heads up instead of our heads down. You shouldn't be walking around as a child of God with your head down. You're a child of the king. My daddy can beat up your daddy. Amen? You need to realize that. Your daddy can beat up anybody's daddy. Our daddy is the king of the universe. We need to start acting and walking and talking like we believe that this morning. Amen? Come on. Do you believe that this morning? That your daddy is the king of this universe? And he knows your name? And he knows how many hairs are on your head? And you're his masterpiece. Start waking up in the morning and looking at yourself in the mirror. And stop listening to the lies of the devil. And start reminding the devil who you are. But you can't tell someone who you are if you don't know who you are. And so God's word this morning is telling you who you are, and now you got to do something with it. The last verse, Psalms 139, verse 14. This is why I praise him, because I know he, that I am wonderfully and fearfully made. Church, this is why we're so adamant about believing the Bible and not what society says. God doesn't make mistakes. Amen? Don't, don't mock the word of God with your thinking or, or your relationships or what people say. Go by God's word. We are wonderfully and fearfully made, and God made you who you are, and who you are is who God made you. 
Marvelous are your works. And watch this. This is where we need to get to this morning. And that my soul knows very well. I want you to walk out of this place this morning in your soul knowing who you are. That you're God's masterpiece. That he thought about you before you were born. The things that happened between when you were born and now that are bad were not God. They were consequences of bad decisions, bad mistakes, some of yours, some of somebody else's. But that was never God's intent. We're heading towards church, the Bible tells us, when, when the rapture happens and the tribulation happens and the millennial reign. We're heading towards the time back on this earth where it will be what God intended in the garden. No sin. No violence, no anger. Stop blaming God. God has always had a good plan. Genesis started it off. Here's the garden. Everything's yours. Eat what you want. Do what you want. Enjoy life. We can't even picture in our minds what the Garden of Eden looked like. Just like we can't picture what heaven looks like right now. There's no words to describe it. But God wants us to get there. But for us to get there, we need to get our minds set on who we are and who we're supposed to take with us. This morning, you got some people you can reach that I can't reach. There's some people that you have a voice that they'll listen to. And if everybody in here, church, would start walking in the way of who they are and knowing they're God's masterpiece and his workmanship, You'll start doing what you're supposed to do, and people will get saved so fast we won't even know what to do with them. We'll have to start planting churches every week because there will be no room for all the people if all of us will start doing what God has asked us to do and being who God says we are. Father, I pray this morning that the devil is defeated and that his lies are not listened to. And Father, as he is the accuser of the brethren, I pray over all these people listening to me right now that they would stop listening to the voice of the enemy. And they would stop, start listening to your voice. Your voice that says, you're my masterpiece. You're my workmanship. My finger is upon your life. My hand is upon your life. I knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. I wrote out those lines on your fingerprint. I am the master designer, God says. And I love you with a love you'll never be able to understand until you know who you are. You have benefits. You're a citizen of heaven. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. You are special in my sight, God says, and I want you to start walking in it. All over this place this morning, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many in this place would say, I've never believed on Jesus. I've never put my faith in Jesus. Acts 16, 31 says, call on the name of Jesus. Believe on the name of Jesus and you'll be saved. There's going to be no Catholics, no Methodists, no Baptists, no non-denominational, no Muslim, no Hindu, no Buddhist, no atheists in heaven. There's only going to be people who've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the only one who's worthy to open the books. 
because he's the only one who's died on the cross for your sins. And man, woman, teenager, young person, you're going to have to answer to God for your life personally. You can have all the thoughts that you want. You can have all the ideologies you want. You can have the twisted thinking you have. You can, you can think whatever you want. God gave you a mind to do it. But I've given you the word of God this morning, and I've told you what the Bible says you are and who you are and who God is. So now it's up to you. What are you going to say to God that day when you stand before him? You know what I'm going to say? Jesus, the one who died for me, the one who paid my price on that cross while I was still a sinner, meaning I didn't deserve it. How many all across this place and watching online and listening on the podcast would be honest with God this morning? Because there's a second part to that verse I read earlier in Luke chapter 12. As your eyes are closed, just listen to this. Right after it says the very hairs of your head are numbered, don't fear. You're of more value than many sparrows. Jesus puts us on, on the record and puts us on the point of decision and says this. I also say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, will also confess before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So you know who you are this morning, and you know who God is. Now you must confess before men who God is and who you know you are. And you are a sinner who needs a Savior. And God is a God who forgives the sinner and sent his son out of heaven to come and die on the cross for your sins. And so right now, as you're listening to me, you're at a crossroads. There's two paths in front of you right now. One is leading to destruction and one is leading to eternal life. One is full of peace, joy, and, and, and comfort, and assurance. And one is full of death, and violence, and separation from God. And God says, choose this day who you will serve. God says, today I set before you life, and I set before you death. Choose life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. How many in this place all over this morning have never said, Jesus, publicly, I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, and I want to be forgiven. Would you just lift your hand up and put it right back down all over this place? I want to pray for you. Just put it up. I see your hand. I see your hand. Put it up and put it down. I see your hands. How many more? I've never made a public confession of my faith. You might be here and you said a prayer at some point, but have you made it public? Have you said, Lord, I want this whole world to know. I, I, want the, I, wish, I wish I could have a microphone at the Grammys. I wish I could have a microphone at the Super Bowl so I could just let everybody know I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he died for me. He wasn't ashamed of me on that cross when he was naked and beaten. He died for me while I was a sinner, and he, and he died for me whether I accept him or not. Maybe you're here and you've said that prayer at some point in your life. But today, you are far from where God wants you to be. You've listened to lies. You've gotten into things you shouldn't get into. Your life's a mess this morning. You're, you're, you're running from the will of God instead of running to the will of God. Today, God says, I know who you are. And I still love you. You've even spoken bad about me. You've even just disowned me, but I still love you. And I'll receive you back today just like the prodigal son. Just come home. 
How many could say, that's me this morning? I need to come home. Just put your hand up. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I need to come home. Tired from running. Let's stand this morning all over this place. Do you know who you are? If you're not walking with your head up this morning, God wants you to walk out of this place with your head held high because you are a child of God. And listen, my words fall short. I wish I could do a better job of explaining to you how special you are. I did the very best I could in my limited abilities to let you know how special you are. I'm just trying to be a spokesman for God, but I'm telling you what his word says. He loves you more than I could ever explain. If you've never made that public confession, we're going to pray with those that are online as well. You raised your hand quickly. You meant it. You didn't do it because you were, you know, just playing. You did it because you meant it. If you raised your hand all over this place, just step out. There's, just, there's an aisle close to your seat. Just step out. Come on. Just come. For the first time or for reconciliation, several hands went up. Don't wait for somebody else. Don't look around. This is between you and God. This is between you and the Lord this morning. Come on. Come on up here. Amen. Come on. How many more? Several hands went up. I'm going to wait just a moment. I, I realized this morning this could be the last time I ever preach a message. This could be the last time we're ever in church together. Please, I beg with you, if you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and you've never confessed him, please, just like you saw the screen this morning, everything that's done is, is going to be on a screen one day. You're not going to get away with, I didn't know, or I wasn't ready. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Today's the acceptable day of the Lord. Don't wait till tomorrow. Life is like a vapor. The Bible says tomorrow's not promised. If, if you can't, listen, this is what I tell people. If you can't stand in front of a church of people who love you and say, I need Jesus, how are you ever going to make a stand outside? How? You won't. And that's why he says here, Jesus' words. And remember, every time you hear a, a, a message, you become responsible. So you might regret coming this morning. Because now you're responsible for how much Jesus loves you. Can't walk away and say, no one's ever told me that I'm loved. No one's ever told me I'm special. No one's ever told me I've got, God's got a plan for my life. I'm telling you, God's telling you. And he says this morning, if you confess me before men... I'll confess you before my Father. If you deny me, or in other words, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. You'll be like, hey, I believed in Jesus. And Jesus will say, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. Don't, I don't want anybody to hear those words. Come on, just step out. I'm going to wait just a moment more. How many more? You need to make a public confession this morning. I'm going to give five seconds. Don't wait. Don't miss out. Amen? Five, four, three, two, one. All those watching online, we're going to say a prayer with these here. You know, so, sometimes it just takes a revelation like it clicked today. I, I get it now. That's why we keep having church. That's why we keep having services. Because at one point, like Santo said at the offering, it's going to click. It's going to make sense. 
Unfortunately, I hate to say this, some of the people in this room and some of the people watching online are, are religious. You're religious. You think that because you came to church today, you're checking off a box. God doesn't want religion. Those verses don't talk about religion. They talk about relationship. He wants relationship. He wants, he wants you to be real with him and honest with him. It's not about citing scriptures or saying certain prayers. It's about being real with God and realizing how much he loves you. Let's say this all together. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I admit it. I recognize it. I need forgiveness. I fall short of your glory. And your word says that the wages of my sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus, I come before you this morning and I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for all my sins. You paid that price. You sacrificed for me so I could be saved. And then you rose from the dead so I could live eternally. From this moment forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to walk knowing who I am in Jesus. Wash me clean. Make me a new creation. And please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And devil, I'm not listening to you anymore. Or your demonic lies. I'm going to believe who I am in Jesus Christ from this day forward. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise this Thanks morning. again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.